0: Welcome to 3, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. I'm Gil Gross, soon to be joined by my co host Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Breaking news, unfortunate news out of the Roger Federer camp. His agent told the AP that Federer will not be entering in the 2021 Australian Open. His recovery from knee surgery... Just won't be complete in time. He does not want to put himself through the rigors of Grand Slam Tennis. So no fetter at the Aussie. That tournament's set to start on February 8th. We, at the time of recording this, were not aware of this news. This news had not broken yet. So uh, we'll discuss this on 3 at a later date. Uh, but for now, we will start a mini-series, a stroke-by-stroke discussion, and we'll start with the backhand. Um, Talking about the big three, how they deploy these shots technically, strategically, tactically, historically, uh, developmentally, all of those great words. Uh, We are going to take it stroke by stroke, uh, discussing the big three, starting with the backhand. Here it clip. is. Let's talk about the backhand. And I guess it's natural to just start with with Roger because Federer is the one who kind of gets picked on when it comes to the backhand hit to the backhand, the backhand is the weakness. And while, while everyone does acknowledge that it's not a full blown weakness uh, and it's, you know, it's almost a disrespectful label to put on a backhand, which is as uh, multi dimensional as fetters, you know, it, it has been the side that has been most heavily scrutinized. So Joel, what do you, you know, how do you look at the Federer backhand and in, you know, with what connotation do you attach to it?
1: Well, you have to look at how the one-handed backhand has been deployed. And then, of course, our other guys speak to the evolution of the two-handed backhand. But the one-handed backhand is is meant to kind of be, I think of it as business development, opportunity creation. It's not as terminal as a two-handed backhand, not the leverage, not the power. So Federer is using it often, to set up his shots for example that short slice he hits a lot and he's improved his topspin backhand when he went to the bigger racket and uh, but it's important for people not to confuse what a one hander can accomplish compared to a two-hander and so his backhand yeah it's 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 not as lethal as his forehand. he can't do as much with it and and the one-hander in the era when one-handers were playing versus one-handers that was one thing and there were a lot of cross-court exchanges but the the two-hander, and we'll talk about those shortly, the two-hander really got the down-the-line concept going. It's, it's very rare in the history of tennis that a one-handed backhand can be behind the baseline and hit a powerful down-the-line backhand. And not until Quirton do you really see someone who could do that with the Luxalon and the ability to really... So Federer, he's, he's using it to accomplish a purpose to set something up for him. I mean, he's hit his share of winners, and we've seen some of them, but that's not really what he's looking to do, nor is he necessarily using the the one-hander to kind of fully hurt someone, let's say the way Novak does, where Novak is hitting him deep. is using it to kind of, it's kind of like a, a knife of sorts. He's using it to kind of set something up to kind of uh, disrupt someone subtly, you know, disrupt subtly instead of just bludgeon. He's not going to accomplish as much with his one-hander as let's say Novak will with his two-hander.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. I guess what's what's fascinating to me about the one-handed backhand, and I think the the real the the number one question with it is when you look at Federer's backhand side, his slice is better than the other two. His backhand volley is probably better than the other two. And the only mm-hmm. reason I throw in a probably is because Nadal is excellent. But uh his backhand drop shot, you know, it's it's probably better disguised and and better than than the other two it's just a more diverse shot so the question is does practicing the one-hander does hitting with a grip that's a little bit closer to continental on the backhand and getting so nimble with you know just that one um that one arm does that make you better naturally at hitting the slice yes does it improve your feel i think the answer is yes
2: i think it's uh, that those are the two of the big you just named two of the big advantages of a one-handed backhand the backhand volley the one-handed backhand volley comes much more naturally and the slice is much more natural um but you know it's not like roger himself says it's what comes naturally to the player that's how the choice is made so it's not like he could have just said, you know what, one handed backhand is a weakness, so I'm going to go to a two hand and, and be the same player that he was always destined to be. I mean, he is who he is, and he shouldn't try to change that ever. Um, or, or work against it to me and and I'm with you Gil I think about it more as that wing as opposed to that particular stroke because it's all you can do on that wing the diversity the choices but to me the um, the beauty of Roger on that wing is just the timing it, his timing is impeccable and um, all the things that he's been able to do with that because of it.
1: I agree with you, Amy, about the timing, particularly these days, for one hand to backhand to work in contemporary pro tennis, it needs to be in the zero it needs to be really up there in the zero, one percent. And you see all the ones who are good, whether it's for Rinka and Cole Schreiber and Gasquet who had his moments and I uh, know oh, uh, the team and Sitsapis. it better be darn good. But the key thing is how it fits into the whole mosaic of the game. I mean it's it's not just it's not just an arsenal shot. It's, it's, an, it's an integrated into the whole thing. It's like having a certain kind of uh, like a tight end on a football team or a certain person. How are you going to make them work with the whole offense? Mm-hmm. And it's important for players to do that. I think some players get confused. Like they, they mistake a one-handed backhand for a big forehand, and they just think they're going to hit big shots with it. But it really needs to be used to get you into position to do something appropriate, whether in Federer's case to hit a big forehand or to get to net or any of those other things that happened. Like my, I, I wrote this about Dimitrov a couple of years ago with his nice one-hander. I said, you know, your one-hander is nice. I said, but uh, get over it, get under it. Most of all, get in on it because that's what you need to do. And I, and I thought, I thought, I wrote this, I said, quit wondering if you should call her or text her, Make a, pick up the phone and get into net. You know, it's like just <laughs> move forward with it and don't. And so, and I think Federer's, really great at understanding how it's meant to be deployed. So, for Mm -hmm. example, whether it's court position as in 2017 when he started standing in more, and I'm going to drive it, I'm going to get the outside corner of the ball, all about how you deploy to fit into the game overall. Uh, And and an illustrative example, Pete Sampras had a very good two-hander when he was a junior, but he knew to play the kind of game he needed to play, he knew he needed to go one handed Not that he was going to win rallies, and he did win his share, particularly early in his career, with his one-hander, as much as, now I need to build a volley game, and you're totally right, Gil, I mean, you have a two-hander, but, so you haven't done this, but I, as a one-hander, the backhand slice, the backhand volley, the backhand drop shot, they're all siblings, so the technique, the technique is, you know, so when I'm practicing, when I'm hitting slice backhands, I'm kind of working on my backhand volley, you see, so it's a lot of the the Mm -hmm. similar similar notion. And so maybe, maybe this is a good segue to get into our, our, our other back backhands. Um, I don't know. What are you guys thoughts about, uh, about, let's say Novak's backhands?
0: Well, I'd say this, I think where, where Federer is uh, at his greatest deficit is on the return and on defense. Uh, we, we see Nadal and Djokovic hit these incredible open stance backhands um, on the run, moving to their, their, well, actually it's Novak's left and Nadal's right. And they're able to keep two hands on the racket, not go to the defensive slice with float, which floats. And, you know, if a player goes to the net, you know, you're in trouble. We've seen them hit passing shots with their two-handed open stance backhands. And that is one thing that Federer as a, as a one-hander, it's, it's almost inaccessible to him. It, It almost completely. So when I look at Novak and Nadal's backhand, before we distinguish them, let's put them together, so solid defensively and and so much uh so much more stable on the run and if when the ball's coming 130 miles per hour on the return.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think Federer probably makes up for not being able to hit the backhand as stably on the run by just his gift for his movement um, and be, being able to run around and and dictate with his feet. Um, but it, it's funny when you mentioned the backhand volley, I just wanted to go back to one thing. Um, I also have a one handed backhand and it's a shot that I'm passionate about and I try to nourish it, although I do run around and hit forehand because forehand's king. but um i see other players that i i clinic with and i spar with hitting two-handed backhand volleys to me that is the most awkward thing in the world i'm like why are you hitting the ball that way that seems crazy when you could just reach so much better um so i think that's what Federer, you know, the, the grace, the elegance, the um, simplicity and efficiency of everything that he does on that side of the ball. But the question is, would you rather have the elegance that can go on the cover of a magazine, or would you rather have the consistency that Novak and Rafa have? And Novak, what he can do on the backhand side it's just stunning in the fact that it rarely, if ever, breaks down. It's machine-like. And I really think that's what wins in tennis.
1: Well, I think the data is in, you know, I grew up in the one-handed backhand when it was just changing, just changing when Borg and Condors were coming up. And I think the dad is in on the two hands better than one. It alters a playing style. So I think I think the dichotomy, Amy, between the, the magazine cover and the effectiveness I mean, I I think that's a little, you know, it's about being effective, but it's also about the building of a playing style. And that to me is such a mystery. I spent a lot of time talking to coaches and players. And sometimes I think it's as random as who happens to be the local teaching pro. I mean, it's not, it's not entirely scientific. It's not entirely rigorous. It's sometimes what people are drawn to. You know, when I was starting to play, Rod Labor was still around. So there was this lefty model of how to play, but that's, that's kind of random. If it had been three years later, it was Connors and there was a two-handed backhand. So it's, you don't know how people pick up to things. So it's just, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's really interesting how they build these styles. And I think Novak and Roger are the good dichotomies in here because Novak is so contemporary. This is the way the game is played now. This forceful defense, the stroke is about as clean as you can imagine. It's so pruned and so Brilliant and simple, all at once, and he uses it to hit the ball deep, to hit the ball hard. To beat your right field so much on his on his defense, and, and the return, the return to serve, the two-handed return to serve, altered the entire world of serve volley tennis. Mm-hmm. You know, if you serve in, if you serve in volley to a one-hander, there's a pretty good chance you're always going to get a look at a volley. Mm-hmm. Two-hander can really bury you on all sides. So that was among the many things that helped change the serve volley dynamic and spell the demise if not the end it won't be the end but the demise of the one-hander I mean and you watch how Nadal has I joke how he's kind of channeled his inner John McEnroe with his backhand with his backhand slice with his volley it's in his his, but the rest of his backhand I don't know what do you guys make of how he uses his two-hander
0: interesting i i think it's fluctuated throughout his career his ability to be really bold and aggressive with his backhand i think you can kind of th- throughout his entire career it's been like oh you know th- he's feeling good on the backhand now but then other times it's well he's just trading it uh, he's he's you know he's always had that heavy top spin everyone talks about the forehand on the backhand too he gets a lot of rpm it allows him to get a lot of net clearance And especially early in his career, I think it would be a very loopy shot that bounced really high off of clay courts and a lot of safety, a lot of margin, but then it's kind of like, hmm, it's kind of like how a three-point shooter in basketball might extend their range depending on how good they're feeling with their stroke. I think Nadal has the same thing with his topspin backhand is sometimes he's feeling good enough to really step into it and try to be damaging, but other times... He says, you know what, that's not what I have today, and I'm just going to not miss and and be a little safer.
2: I think the biggest biggest difference between Novak and Rafa on the backhand is the use of it. Um, If you were to tally up all the times that Rafa has hit backhand and all the times that Novak, Rafa runs around to hit forehand whenever he can. I mean, he runs around from the – Far bet where you would hit a backhand side of the court and just hits forehand. Novak has to be encouraged to do that, so yeah, he's whatever. he's happy to just you know beat you to death with with a consistent backhand all day. But he's he's been told to look for forehand more.
1: But you're not going to see Novak hit a forehand from his alley from the left no, alley. Never, oh, We see Rafa no. no. hit really. it from the right alley. And yeah. as far as the back, but it's interesting about Nadal, he gets into the don't miss mode and he's kind of hitting a cross court. And then there are matches where I swear, I don't know if he's hit a single backhand winner, like unless it was like maybe a passing shot. And then mm-hmm. there are times in the middle of a match where he's kind of almost, it's almost kind of cheeky for the heck of it. He's going to blast this backhand and then he'll make it. But that you see rarely. Whereas mm-hmm. Novak, Novak generates his share. Of, I mean, the backhand is so good. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, for example, if I was teaching someone, a player right now, you'd say Novak, this is the back. Here you go. Here's your technique. This mm-hmm. is your backhand. This is your contemporary backhand. And then what you try to do with the person when they were 12 or 13? Okay, let's let's get you a little backhand volley. Let's learn that slice when you're 12 or 13, not not 23. <laughs> um, two-handed backhand. You know, I, I know what you meant, Amy, about the two-handed backhand volley. Jimmy Connors had a pretty good two-handed backhand volley, but it was terminal. It wasn't a possession volley. In other words, he wanted to really hit it with a lot of intention and it's, yeah, it's not as, it, it doesn't have as much versatility as the one-handed backhand yeah. volley.
0: Yeah. I, I tried to emulate Novak's backhand. I thought the technique just, you know, as a, I, it looked so good. It looked so easy and simple. It was certainly and very unsuccessfully, um, I think my forehand does look a lot like Ferrer's, but I don't think my backhand looks anything like Novak's. But yeah, I, I made that attempt. I don't want court position to get lost here, though, when we talk about the deployment. And this goes back to, Amy, your point about how they uh, use their feet to mm-hmm. either you know uh, try to avoid hitting a backhand or accepting the backhand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Novak, I, what I love most about his backhand is it's so damaging and he doesn't need to hit it hard. Because he's taking time away and he's redirecting and he's so precise like a like a surgeon putting the balls uh, exactly where he wants to. He doesn't need to bludgeon it um, to, to do tons of back to do tons of damage on that side. Nadal who's normally further back in the court doesn't have that opportunity to take it quite as early and isn't quite as precise when he's changing direction and doesn't get the same kind of depth. All these things combined. Why is Novak's backhand more consistently damaging than Nadal's? It's not because Novak hits it harder, uh, which which I think is is really nice to think about. Mm-hmm. It's those subtleties of how Novak uses his backhand to attack. It's not simply like a Stan Wawrinka or uh, you know or or maybe uh, David Nalbandian, who you know these guys can really bludgeon it.
2: Well, also, Gil, look at. Um, The recovery steps that Novak takes after the shot is hit. It's quintessentially perfect. There's no wasted balance. There's no wasted real estate. Um, He is so ready to just glide into the next shot. Um, I think that's what makes Novak's backhand the superior of the three.
1: I think the balance part is so good and makes me also Novak reminds me a lot of Chris Everett and the balance part is the feeling of playing someone, wow, nothing I'm doing is really hurting this guy. See, with the Nadal, I think points against the Nadal for opponents must feel this constant kind of tilting. Am I fighting? Am I back? Am I pressing him? You know, there's this whole jousting quality to playing the Nadal, and that's why his matches have this enthralling competitive quality because these punches are going back and forth, and am I hurting him on the back end? And Novak has this, he's impregnable. He's just not... He's, and so the opponents aren't feeling like they're really doing much damage. You know, there's not, there's a, there's an interesting kind of tranquility to the way Novak goes about beating people Mm -hmm. and he's the contemporary game. So he's like, have at it Nishikori, go try me go fan for rare. You guys, you guys, I do it all better. I, I know how to do this stuff better than you all. And I'm balanced and, and I can step, I can step in a little and take it a little early, I can step back and hit it hard. If I need to, I'll really, oh, here's the, here's the opening. I'll go down the line now. But he's very, you know, and again, his his fitness is so good. And his, so his his court position is that kind of tight on the baseline. It reminds me a little of Agassi. was like that too. And Federer is more, I'm looking to create here. I'm looking to, my backhand needs to do something for me. Because if it doesn't, something could then also happen to me. You know, that's kind of where the whole point, that's where I think the word uh, playing steady needs to be obliterated. There's either you're either you're either taking steps forward or you're in retreat. You know, there's this whole and Fetter's game. That's what makes him so enthralling, too, because you see this game is like he's looking to create. He's looking to create and he's got to he, he might take your hit, but then he's still looking to create. You know, I think, you know, the, I love that uh, the close camera where you really see the down-to-the-ground one, where you see it and you suddenly see, you can only imagine what the people who play Federer for, particularly for the first time must feel, that they're in this sort of like this, what, it, what? what's the weather pattern? It's a certain kind of blizzard. It's a different blizzard than, what well, Nadal is like the full-scale tornado, but Feder oh, yeah. is this other kind of, you guys live in the East, what's the weather pattern with Feder compared to... Uh,
2: <laughs> Nor'easter. Wait, Nor- Joel,
0: but I have a question about something you just said. Are you saying the playing steady doesn't exist for Federer or doesn't exist for anyone.
1: I think it's the wrong concept for a lot. If the term is it needs deeper nuance, you know, okay. just playing sure. steady. In other, words, in other words, like, for example, you watch Novak and, or, or Chris Everett. And, oh, he's just playing steady. Well, no, he's it's, it's about applying pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think what makes the great, what makes every player see the game in the richer way is how are they applying pressure? Like I suspect Gil, for you, a lot of it was pressure is my movement, is my depth, is my consistency.
0: Right. But in terms of intention, I slightly disagree with you. Um, and I think uh, a point I was going to make on on Novak's backhand, and I agree with you that the, the longer a rally g- goes, you are by default applying pressure because nobody can go forever. So uh, I would say, yes, it is about pressure, but also your intention doesn't always have to be offense or defense. Uh I call it trading, right? Or my coach would call it. Chris Lowe would call it trading. You trade, and the goal of trading is to remain
1: unattackable. Plain and well, simple, that, that's the goal. See, that's also that 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 can also be a form of offense too. In other words, if I'm playing you and you're hitting and you've now hit four balls within a foot of my baseline, you're not playing defense. You know, so you see what I mean. It just
0: no, you're not playing defense. You're not playing offense though. You're trading, right now. You're playing-
1: no, you're, pl- I don't know. You're I agree. Applying pressure, but trading, you're
0: applying pressure. I agree. So trading applies pressure, but I think the the thing with Novak is his back end is so deep and so consistent. He's able to just uh, th- the key word. I'm just going to use the same phrase. He's able to remain unattackable over and over and over That's again good. on that back end. Most players can't do that. Most yeah. players are going to drop it in that donut hole in the danger zone, or they're going to miss. They're either going to drop it short and give their opponents something to to look at, something to attack, or they're gonna miss. And Djokovic on the backhand side, he's like a ball machine, and there's nothing to there's nothing to grab onto, there's nothing to attack.
1: Yeah, agreed. So I, I think trading's fine. I think we're, we're we're around it, but I think again, it, it's it's how do we apply pressure and how do these guys apply pressure and how they do it with the backhand in different ways that fit into their game. You know, it's like I think I think. Djokovic and Federer are the ones most learnable from because you could show someone here this is this this is that Nadal if you just looked at the backhand you'd say well what's that well yeah just keep in mind that at a certain point he's going to move to his right he's going to the forehand is a whole other is a different discussion Mm -hmm. with these guys the forehand is a different kind of deal yeah
0: well I think one one of the more underrated parts about Nadal's backhand who I feel like we've hyper-focused on the other two, but for Rafa, the, the variety is kind of underrated, and it's the subtle variety. It's, it doesn't have to be slice. It doesn't have to be drop shot, but what about he's got the, the kind of eight-foot net clearance backhand, and mm-hmm. he's got the topspin backhand with two or three feet of net clearance, and he's able to flatten it out, uh, and he's got the short-angle cross-court So he's not always going for the depth. I think I'd say he probably goes for the angle uh, cross-court backhand more often than Novak does. So that's the thing I appreciate most about Nadal's backhand is the subtle variation.
2: Yeah, um, but again, it's just – I think it goes back to what you said earlier, Gil. It's like what's working for him today, and he seizes on that. And clay has a different – you know, set of tools maybe that he's using on that wing than the hard court does. Um, you know, oh. it's what I think. What what's going to be very interesting in 2021 is um, with regard to backhands is looking at teams' backhand because it's so different than Federer's, even though they're uh, both one-handers. And does that emerge as as superior to even Rafa's? Um, so I think that's something to watch. Yeah,
1: but the, well, the team but again superior it, I mean they're very different but Teams is very different Teams have got a whole different point philosophy than than Rafa. Teams point philosophy in certain ways is actually reminds me to a degree of Federer. You know, he's looking to use something. he wants to hit the forehand. I mean his he, he the backhand the backhand is a gee whiz shot. I mean it's very appealing to witness and to see but team speaks repeatedly of how his forehand is his stronger shot and he knows as you know amy to, particularly if you're, if you're if you're kind of using ground strokes as ground strokes as opposed to getting to net you know like my my gestalt is much more yeah i want to stay in rallies i well, you're right i want to trade and i want to disrupt so i can eventually get a chance to come to net but that's different than like team or fedor too and maybe you're like this too amy Oh, I want to use. I want to. Do, I want to use this stuff so I can eventually hit a very aggressive forehand that may or may not be an approach shot that may just end the point in its own right, either listening an error or a winner. That's a different thing than an approach shot forehand.
2: I think every player, what what it really comes down to, and you you've heard James Blake, who had a one-handed backhand, talk about this, is you're practicing every day. You're you're working on things as as a professional how much time do you devote to that backhand? Um, do you spend more time working on your weaker, or do you spend more time building up your stronger? And and that's something that the big three have mastered to perfection and that the rest of us mere mortals just struggle with.
1: Well, what their deal is with the, and the, the answer is both, you know, for the Blake question it's great, but the question is, yeah, Terret's agree, and it's kind of this, and, and that's why the game is so great—the never-ending quest to make the strength stronger, and to make the weaknesses better too. But it, and then and then find this way of uh, of integration, you know, and, and and improvement, and that's what makes these guys so incredible because you can see how they've improved these things—the the, the Federer backhand, the the Nadal backhand, the Djokovic forehands, all of their serves. All of it, that's, that's what makes these guys so impressive is how they, they've kept improving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to the other shots and leave in the comments What which one you want next. What do you want to hear us talk about? Leave yeah. a comment down below. I agree, though. The team is in a separate category because his one-hander is arguably a bigger backhand when yes. it comes to miles per hour and RPM. Mm-hmm. I don't know that a two-hander can achieve that. Yeah. If you look at the actual Hawkeye data, for example, of RPM. Vavrinka, Team, Gaz-K, these are the backhands that get the most RPM. I think that just the physics around having one hand, not having that uh, almost inhibitor, which is the other arm coming for the ride. Um, So that's another way to look at it.
2: They're voluptuous and the others are flat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: The RPM is only part of it. It has to do with uh, uh, consistency and stability and, and also yeah, those one-handers. one a little bit sometimes like having a a, a, a you know a racy car, a racy car. And some and a, a, but Novak, that backhand, that's a Mercedes. That thing's going to go for hundreds of thousands of miles. Built to yeah. last.
0: Yes. So, good stuff. Hundred percent. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Three. We hope that you hit the subscribe button on YouTube, like the video, as I said leave a comment. We are available on all podcast platforms, leave a rating and a review on Apple. That is always greatly appreciated. And we will see you next time on the next episode of three.